point in the service, I would um, invite you to turn back to that uh, second reading that we had earlier on in Matthew chapter 2 on page 966 of the Bible. And that's a reasonably well-known story of the Magi. Okay, here's one for you. Um, What was the worst, worst Christmas present that you ever received? Give it some thought. What was the the very worst Christmas present that you ever received? Okay? I'll uh, tell you mine. I was about 13 or 14 years old, okay? So I was just at that age where you're incredibly excited about Christmas. And my family's all together uh, in our living room back home, and uh, my gran was there. And this was usually a good thing, because my gran was, uh, you know, she was usually quite generous when it got to, to Christmas time. You know, so it was a good thing that she was there. And I was about to open my present from my gran, so I'm incredibly excited. And I get the present, it looks good, you know, so I, I, I start uh, ripping off the paper, and I get down to it. And, and what do I see? What she bought me? Lo and behold, my gran had bought me a can of deodorant. That is what one solitary can of Lynx Africa deodorant. I couldn't believe it. You know, by far the, the worst Christmas present I've ever received. And yes, I do kind of wonder when I look back, was my gran trying to tell me something all those years ago? Well, this evening, just for a very, very short while, um, let's turn to that passage of scripture we read earlier on and to the text from where we get this, this idea of giving Christmas presents to each other. So let's turn to the, the wise men and their encounter, the encounter they have with, with, with Jesus Christ. I think we, we see in these verses um, a few responses to the coming into the world of Jesus Christ. A few responses to the Messiah. So that's what we're going to think about um, tonight. So our, our theme really is responses to Jesus at Christmas time. Responses to Jesus at Christmas time. And, and, and the first one that we see here is that there can be intrigue about Jesus at Christmas. So there can be some interest, there can be some intrigue about Jesus at Christmas. Okay, let's look at the text. What have we got in this situation in Matthew chapter 2? What have we got? What's going on here? What's in front of us here? Well, there is mention, of course, of the word magi. Okay, magi. Now, what, what springs to your mind when I say that word? And I say Magi, do you start to sort of hum in your head, we three kings of Orient are? Is that what you're doing just now? Well, uh, please don't do that, okay? Because uh, the text does say that there's three of them. And it doesn't say that they're kings. And guess what? It doesn't say that they're from the Orient either, okay? So who were these guys? Who were these, these blokes here? Well, the idea, of course, is the idea of wise men, 
isn't it? Um, so these these guys, these, these blokes, the the most likely astrologers, you know, guys who who study the stars, perhaps also guys who read and studied ancient scriptural writing. And where does it say they're from? Did you see that? They're from the east. And again, don't be thinking sort of Stratford or, you know, Barkin or something like that. We're talking a wee bit further away than that. You know, most likely, let's think, uh, Babylon. Let's think sort of Persia. But it's kind of ambiguous, isn't it? They're from the east pretty ambiguous. You see, what's clear in the description of the Magi is that who they are and where they are from is not as important as what they're in Jerusalem to do. Okay, I'll say that again. Who these guys are and where they're from is not as important as what they're in Jerusalem to do. So, what was that? Why are they in Jerusalem? Look at it. What, what becomes clear straight away is that the Magi are in this place. They're in Jerusalem to try and find the Messiah, aren't they? They're, they're looking for the infant Jesus. Now, we see that from the, the first words. In fact, the only words, I think, that the Magi utter in the whole passage. Look at the words. The question. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews. Where is the one born king of the Jews? So, you're following, do you you see what's in the background? Do you see what is most likely to have happened here? These, These are men, wise men, who have been studying the stars. And in that, God has revealed something to them. They've been studying the stars And somehow they realize that a child has been born. They realize somehow that a special child has been born. God is working in these guys' hearts. And they're suddenly interested. God's working and they're intrigued. And they have to go. They have to move. And they just feel that they have to try and find Jesus. But notice something. They're not there yet, are they? You see that? They, you know, they've, they've travelled, yeah. They've, they've come a huge distance from the east, no doubt. But you see, at the start of the chapter, we've got them in Jerusalem. So these are guys that have travelled. They're in Jerusalem, but they're not in Bethlehem. They are very, very close to finding Jesus. But the truth is, they're still searching. They are unable at the moment to find the Savior. See, we see it from the question, where is he? Where is the Savior? Where is the one who is born King of the Jews? Now, friends, this evening, please let me put this to you. Does the situation of the Magi, these wise men in Matthew chapter 2. Does that in any way ring true for you, this situation? Does it have a sort of sense of familiarity? I mean, is there this Christmas 
through you a sort of sense, a greater sense of interest in spiritual things. This Christmas, is there a bit more intrigue about the things of Jesus Christ? Have you, perhaps like the star here, have you over the course of the year seen something about Jesus that is that has grasped you and made you more curious? Are you seeing, like the Magi did, yes, hang on, there is something unusual, there is something out of the ordinary about Jesus Christ. Is that you? Is God perhaps moving you closer to him this Christmas time? Well, if so, please hear this. I'd really say to you tonight, don't remain curious, okay? Do something about it. Don't just be a a person who sort of sits on the outside just looking in. Do something. Do like the the, the magi here did. You know, they think about their reaction. They didn't sort of sit back in Babylon and Persia, did they? You know, they didn't sort of think to themselves, okay, I've I've seen and I'm interested in Jesus, but if he's real, he'll heal, he's gonna come over to me. They didn't do that. They got up. They moved and responded to God. And tonight I would say to you, it would be most prudent of you this Christmas to show some spiritual impatience. Okay, show some spiritual impatience. You know, cry out to God this Christmas, Lord, please show me Jesus now. Show me Christ and do it now. And as with the Magi, allow God to use intrigue and interest to bring you to the Saviour. So we get it, don't we? There can be a intrigue about Jesus at Christmas. Intrigue about Jesus at Christmas. Okay. Let's consider, secondly, that there can be also apprehension about Jesus at Christmas. Okay, there can be apprehension. Now, uh, I'm sure you agree with me that Christmas can be a kind of a time of stress and apprehension, can't it? You know, have we tonight bought all the presents that we are supposed to buy? Have we all bought our, our, our boyfriend and our girlfriend or our, our spouse? Have we all got the presents sorted out? Have we... Uh, remember to write all the cards or have we forgotten something? Is the family going to fall out with each other over Christmas? You know, it's a time, there's loads and loads of stress and apprehension. Well, as we shift our gaze away from the Magi for a moment and we look at this other figure that we've got here, King Herod, we see in him a great sense of apprehension at this first Christmas, don't we? I mean, just think about Herod. Look what it says. Look at verse 3. It tells us that when Herod heard all this talk about Jesus Christ, do you see his reaction? Is Herod chuffed with this? Well, no, look at it. Herod is greatly disturbed. That's what we're told. That's the word, disturbed. Now, Why is Herod disturbed? What is bothering Herod about this talk of Jesus Christ? 
Well, it's, I suppose it's kind of obvious, isn't it? You know, this, this talk of a king being born is clearly a threat to King Herod, isn't it? Uh, you know, this, this king, talk of a new king, it endangers his rule and his authority over the people. So here's a guy who feels threatened. We get it. Pretty obvious. But notice something else. Notice, please, that it's not just Herod that's apprehensive. Look at verse 3. Herod's unsettled by the talk of a new king. We can appreciate that. But then verse 3 says that Herod was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Okay? All Jerusalem is disturbed here. This new king, the possibility, the possibility of a new authority and a new ruler has got all these people unsettled and apprehensive. Now, friend, is that there the thing that is stopping you becoming a Christian tonight? The uncertainty, the apprehension about Jesus Christ. Is that what, what is stopping you this evening? You see, the, the, the message of the gospel that, that we preach, the message is a message of repentance, sin. But it's a, a message of submitting to the rule of King Jesus. And you see, that is an incredible thing. I mean, it is a a mind-blowing thing. It's a beautiful thing. That what happens in the gospel, that what happens in Jesus Christ, is that we hand over the rule of our lives to the Son of God. That God comes in, that He directs us in His grace and in His love. Now, that is beautiful. But I tell you this. It can be unsettling for some people. You see, some people fear that change of rulership in their life. Some people want nothing to do with that. No part in that whatsoever. They want to just continue living as they've always lived. They don't want change. They want to live for themselves. They want to live their their own happiness and their own sort of selfish gain. Now, is that where you're at? Is that what's stopping you? Is there apprehension about the idea of new rulership in your life? Well, if there is, please see that there is absolutely no need to be apprehensive. You see, the king that we are talking about, the king that the Bible speaks of, he's a king that offers salvation. He's a king that rules in love. He's a king whose whose reign is characterized by eternal grace. There is nothing to be apprehensive about in the Lord Jesus Christ. And do you see what, what Herod does? Because... Of his apprehension. Did you see what he does? Here's a man that is so troubled 
by uh, this talk of, of, of this new king, that instead of going to Christ and worshipping Jesus, what does Herod do? You see that? Herod gets all his gang together, basically. Herod gets all these sort of religious folk around him. He gets all the sort of religious advisors together. And what he does is he tries to hide behind these people, doesn't he? See, look at it. He calls to himself the chief priests. He gets those guys on the case. And then he gets the the teachers of the law as well. He even gets his wise men back too, doesn't he? And he asks them, you know, where in scripture does it say that the Messiah is going to be born? Where is this going to happen? So he asks them that. But then look what he does. He even pretends that he wants to worship Jesus too. Doesn't he? And I would urge you tonight not to do as Herod does there. I would urge you tonight not to reject the Savior and to try and hide behind religion. You see, you you might be the person tonight who has kind of had contact with church quite a lot over the years. You know, that you maybe sporadically come to church now and again. You might also be the person who thinks, just like Herod, that, that you can kind of get away with not bowing to Jesus and not giving your life to him, so long as you kind of have a bit of contact with religiosity. You know, that things will be okay if, if okay, I'm not going to bow to Jesus, but I will come to church now and again. I will occasionally say a word or two of prayer. Is that, is that how you're thinking? Is that how it is for you? Well, please see that that does nothing to mend your relationship with God. Religion saves no one. Religion saves no one. It is only Jesus Christ who saves. It is only Christ who saves. You see, Herod should have forgotten about these other guys. You know, all these teachers and advisors. He should have forgotten about them. And he should have gone to Jesus Christ. He should have bowed. He should have worshipped him as king. So we've seen that there can be intrigue about Jesus at Christmas. We've seen that, yep, there can definitely be apprehension about Jesus at Christmas. I'm just going to close with a a third one. Because we see here that there can also be rejoicing in Jesus, okay? Intrigue, apprehension, but rejoicing in Jesus at Christmas. Okay, now, what almost always happens on a Sunday night is that uh, after the evening service, I end up giving a couple of people a lift home no, after church. I'm not moaning about that. That's, that's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm, I'm happy to do that. That's a good thing. But what invariably happens is that I end up getting lost. Okay? 
almost always, almost every week, I get lost. Um, you know, I'll drop the people off, everyone's fine, but on the way out, it's, uh, it's a, a, a newly built up area, and sat-nav will only take me sort of so far, and then I'll, I'll, I'll lose my bearings and I'll get lost. And I'm usually left with a bit of a conundrum, because between you and me, uh, you see, in my lens, kind of late on on a Sunday night, there's some pretty weird dudes about, you know. And uh, I'm sort of left with this conundrum, will I ask people for directions or will I not? Well, in some ways, there's a, there's a similar thing going on here in this chapter. Because we've thought about the Magi, we've thought about Herod. Let's go back to the Magi just for a second. Because, you see, they have almost got themselves lost. Haven't they? You see, the star has, 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 has almost taken them just so far. Now, they're in Jerusalem. We saw that. They're not in Bethlehem. They're in Jerusalem. They, they can't find Jesus. They are looking for Jesus. Now, look who it is that directs them to Bethlehem. See who it is that directs them to Jesus. It's the most unlikely person imaginable. It's the strangest situation because it's Herod. It's this wicked, wicked tyrant. He is the one that directs them to Jesus. And again, again, maybe this compares with your situation tonight. You know, maybe this compares with with the situation you're having where you are searching in your life for something of substance. Maybe you are searching for meaning. Maybe you're searching even for, for, for God. And you've been looking in the wrong places. And maybe tonight it's the strangest circumstances that have brought you here. Maybe it's the weirdest thing. Maybe it's just the most unexpected thing that God has used to, to, to bring you in here, to bring you to his word, and maybe even to bring you to Jesus Christ. Now, is that what's happened? Is it? Well, if so, thank God. Because look what happens next in the story. Do you see what happens? You see, the search finishes. The search is over. Because these wise men, these magi, what happens? They find Jesus, don't they? And it leads to a sort of intense, inexpressible joy. I mean, think about these guys. You know, think about what happens. We're told that the star turns, I suppose it goes ahead of them. It stops outside this house and at last, at long last, after weeks perhaps of travelling, weeks of difficulty, at last they are confronted with the child He's there. The Savior is in front of them. And what are we told? What's the word that's used? They are overjoyed at this. You know, in the original, it's a a sense of exceeding joy. Almost sort of inexpressible joy. And what do they do because of this? The child's there. The Savior's there. What do they do? Well, they worship him, of course. They worship him. Away goes that sense of of any sort of apprehension. It goes out of the window. Here is the king. 
So they get down and they worship him. And yes, of course, they give him presents. They give him gifts, gold, incense, myrrh. At last, they have found the Saviour. Now, let me end tonight by asking you a very, very straightforward question. We've seen tonight in these verses that there can be intrigue about Jesus. There can be apprehension about the Saviour. We've seen that there can be joy in Jesus Christ. Which is it? What is going to be your response to Jesus Christ this Christmas? What is your response going to be? You see, we uh, started off tonight talking about the worst Christmas present ever, didn't we? So let's end with the best. You see, in the Bible... God tells us that if, if we come to him, if we pray, if we ask him sincerely to forgive us for our sin, then God tells us that he will give us the best, the greatest present, the greatest gift that has ever been given. Romans 6.23 says this, okay? It says these words. It says that The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that incredible? Now that can be yours tonight. Tonight. You can receive the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Are you going to accept that gift? Let us all respond to Jesus this Christmas by worshipping him as King.